You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show. we got to get the guy, the voice guy, to be like live from cold Los Angeles because I know you all you don't care in the part of the world I'm from. It's cold here for L.A. There was an old, um, I guess it was a New York Times column about it's a graduation speech that became a song on the radio for a while. It was basically a speech. There's a line that says, leave New York before it makes you hard and leave L.A. before it makes you soft. Somehow both of those things have simultaneously happened to me in my time there. It is pretty weak that I'm cold. But I am. That's where I'm at. All right, buy ourselves coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes. We'll get into several things in that, including Kendrick Perkins on ESPN saying that MVP voting, I'm an MVP voter, MVP voting in the NBA is... Uh, Tinted with racial bias. That is his That is his contention. We'll get into that among several other topics. Kevin Durant has revealed where his relationship is at with Kyrie Irving. We will talk about that. And if you want to call us and hang out, 855-212-4CBS. Also, if you listen to the show regularly, you know that you've heard me say this, that I hate Twitter. I hate it. But I'm tweeting again. I just decided to put a little day on my calendar. I did. That day was yesterday. My buddy Ken in Dubuque, Kenny, sent me a note like, you've tweeted more today than the last year. This is great. Okay, Kenny didn't say it was great. <laughs> that part is a lie. <laughs> yeah, sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. I'm back on that Twitter train, Tom. Even though I don't really, here's the thing, here's my other new rule. Because like this part of the reason, I, I hate passive aggressiveness. Like I won't mute people on my Twitter timeline. I will either follow them or unfollow them. Which is, by the way, like, come on, Twitter. But I'm not going to be doing just replies. Uh, if you hit me up and I write you back, I'll just I'll just tweet it publicly. So here's what we're going to do. NFL Combine going on right now. By the way, CBS Sports HQ has incredible coverage going on. And um, Pete Prisco had a beautiful moment on the CBS Sports HQ set yesterday at the hands of Amanda Guerra. It was very funny. You should check it out again. Yeah, my Twitter, sports writer. Sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. And this is a time and a place where there's so much information to be collected. There's real insight. Obviously, the NFL draft is massive, and there are so many rounds and so many players and such high stakes. There's a lot going on. So it's it's great to have a guy, not just on the show, but at CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ, just at CBS Sports in Chris Depresso. This is what he does. This is his job. He's the expert, and he joins us now on the show. Chris, what's up, buddy? Hey, Bill, thanks for having me. I think this is like a yearly thing where we do this when I'm in Indianapolis. I wasn't here last year, but it's great to be back. To get the workout started today is a lot of fun. I love it, dude. All right, so let's start with the, the big story. It's an ugly story, and I know that this mm-hmm. is uh, there's not a lot of info or as much info as I would like, but but Jalen Carter, as best you, you understand it or can guess, and I hate to, to make a human story in such football terms, but we've talked about it a lot. What does this do or not do as it relates to NFL teams reaching for him or not reaching for him in the NFL draft? So, obviously, last night out in Indy, that's pretty much everyone was talking about. Uh, it, it's going to definitely impact his draft stock. I think heading into this week, he wasn't expected to work out. It was just going to sit on all the the uh, you know dominance that he had in the SEC. He was really the odds-on favorite to be the first non-quarterback off the board. I think it was really presumed that at number three overall, whether it was the Arizona Cardinals picking him 
or uh, a team trading up with the Cardinals, that was going to be Jalen Carter's uh, draft position. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think some teams will do more homework on him than others um, that could maybe get to him or are within striking distance of Jalen Carter or need a defensive tackle. But to just totally dismiss this and say, yeah, he's still going to be the number three or number four, number five overall pick, I, I think that is foolish at this point. He's going to probably slide a little bit in the draft um, because of this incident and then just how it kind of couples with the Todd McShay report um, a couple weeks ago that there may be some other character concerns um, with this super talented football player. Uh, Chris Trapasso here on CBS Sports Radio. Our CBS Sports is combine, not really com- draft guru, and obviously the combine is is a big part of that. When you when you look at this quarterback class, Chris, and I know that there's uncertainties and there's surprises, and you know we don't know nobody, even GMs. I mean, careers right on it. But as best you can garner, and as best people that you're talking to uh, figure, how many quarterbacks are there in this draft that are that are fairly reliable, fairly safe as as big time talents that could pan out? Well, probably three or four, um, and it's easy at this time of the pre-draft process to kind of label all of the first-round picks, the guys presumed to go in the first round, that they're all going to be franchise quarterbacks. But as we've seen, I mean, think back to the 2018 draft, the best quarterback class we've had in a long time. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's been on a bunch of teams. Sam, uh, Sam Darnold hasn't you know, ultimately worked out. Josh Rosen didn't really ever see the field after his rookie season. So I, I do think teams understand that there's a lot of risk with Anthony Richardson in one situation. He might be out of the league in three years. In another situation, he might be competing, uh, you know, with Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes as, you know, the, the face of the modern-day quarterback in the NFL. Will Levis is kind of viewed in a similar vein. And then with Bryce Young and with C.J. Stroud, you have higher floors, but maybe not as significant of upside. So it's kind of hard to say. It's impossible to say at this point who it will be, but to just look back at history, not all four of these quarterbacks who are going to go in the first round are going to be raving successes in the NFL. Chris, uh, and to that point, you've got Richardson, in your, I think, in your latest mock draft at number one. You've got the Colts trading with the Bears to get up to number one. Uh, for folks who haven't paid attention or maybe been, been paying more attention to Bryce Young, if you're looking at an Anthony Richardson on the ceiling side and you're a believer and you think things go the right way for him, what is it about his game that can and will, if it goes that way, translate to the NFL? Well, yeah, I mean, what I just said, that he has that, I'm not going to say quite as good, but he has the Josh Allen, Justin Herbert type athleticism and arm talent. And my rationale for him being the number one overall pick um, in my latest mock draft with the Colts trading up with the Bears to make that selection, look at what their new head coach, Shane Steichen, did over the last two years with Jalen Hurts, another raw passer entering the NFL with great running ability um, and you know certainly someone that was in need of maturation from inside the pocket throwing the football. That's the book on Anthony Richardson, but Richardson's about three inches taller than Jalen Hurts and about 20 pounds heavier, and he might actually be a better athlete. I think he's going to blow the roof off of Lucas Oil Stadium right across the street here from the Indiana Convention Center, and then we'll start to maybe hear more of, hey, look, like this guy is not someone that's going to be available in the late portions of the first round. There's just too much 
value and too much upside with Anthony Richardson for him to be available that late in the first round. All right, Chris Trapasso, I'm going to ask you a question. I think it's a good question, but I'm going to, I got to ask the exact same question about the NBA a year ago on Jalen Brunson, and now I have Knicks fans in my timeline every day calling me stupid. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it in a very, so everyone listening, Chris Trapasso is not predicting this person's going to be a bust, but there are, as you noted, guys that are busts all the time. Every draft has quarterbacks who don't work out. This is the nature of the beast. Not who will be a bust, but who do you think has the highest likelihood of not living up to massive expectations at the top of this draft? This is going to seem controversial, but I'm going to say that it's Bryce Young, and here's why. Bryce Young's, uh, if you ask around, the uh, expectations for him based on what he did right out of the gate as a recruit at Alabama, they've really put those expectations extremely high. And I think with Bryce Young from watching the film that, he has, like I mentioned, a high floor. I think he's going to come in and be, you know, a, probably right around the top half of the league quarterback as a rookie. But I'm looking around the NFL landscape, and I, again, I'm I'm seeing Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence breaking out, uh, Patrick Mahomes, maybe to a little bit of a lesser degree, Joe Burrow in terms of athleticism, and I'm seeing big rocket arm quarterbacks that can do things with their legs in a design run game that can make big time throws through a tight window down the field um, outside of structure that can run past linebackers that are explosive. I don't see those traits with Bryce Young. I think he is incredibly poised. I think he can throw with anticipation well beyond his years for being such a young player. But if we're saying which quarterback will, you know, meet the expectations they're just so high for Bryce Young. It wouldn't surprise me. And he's going to be one of the first picks in the draft. He's going to go to a team that is not fantastic. I think it's probably Bryce Young to answer that question. Uh, Chris Trapasso, um, there are going to be – it's a fairly deep quarterback draft. There's quarterbacks who will be several probably drafted in the top ten. There, there are some guys that are there. Who is the most likely team that you think could surprise and take a quarterback, whether it's a, a Baltimore – uh, a Green Bay, and maybe surprise is the wrong word, but are there teams that you think could take a quarterback who already have, to a degree or another, a quarterback on their roster who's pretty talented? I don't know if, if either of these teams would be major surprises, but the, the Washington Commanders uh, make the most sense that they're not that far down in the draft where if they wanted to move up inside the top five for a C.J. Stroud or a Will Levis or maybe even an Anthony Richardson, they could do that. We heard from Ron Rivera yesterday, their head coach, that even though it was kind of previously thought that Sam Howell, their fifth-round pick last year, was the starter going into the season, he just kind of said, hey, look, like he's right now our quarterback one, but we're not entrenched into doing that. And the other team is the Atlanta Falcons. I know they picked Desmond Ritter in the third round last year, the second quarterback off the board, um, and he tested very well. He kind of fits the mold of that highly athletic quarterback it wouldn't be crazy for them to say, hey, look, like let's add some competition at this most valuable position in sports um, with two young quarterbacks and to see who ultimately wins out. So those two teams seem like maybe not right now really on the radar teams that will be in the quarterback market um, in the draft, but would make a lot of sense because they don't really have an established starter at this point, especially without Carson Wentz there in Washington. All right, Chris, last one for you. We, we talk every draft with, with guys, and with you in particular, about you know where there's depth. 
where is there a lack of depth? What position might there be in, in this draft where there's just not the same level of talent as usual? And so if a team needs that position, there's going to be fewer options. Along the, the interior of the defensive line, I, I kind of you know separate it with interior defensive linemen and then the edge rushers. Edge rusher class is super deep. With the defensive tackle class, and then you kind of throw in everything that's happened with Jalen Carter, it's really like Jalen Carter, Kalijah Canty, who's kind of that undersized Aaron Donald-type pass rusher from Pittsburgh. After that, there's not a ton of high-caliber prospects. There'll certainly be guys that will go in the second or third round um, from the SEC, there's a bunch, but not real names that are moving the needle a lot. And I think if you're not getting one of Jalen Carter or Kalijah Canty uh, in the first round, it's kind of slim pickings once you get into the second day, you know, second and third round of the draft. All right, Chris Trapasso, I said last question, but I lied. How many times <laughs> will you eat at St. Elmo's before you leave Indianapolis? Um, I'm going to probably try to go – for lunch today, but what was interesting is I was just in the media room, and St. Elmo's had about three or four waiters bringing over shrimp cocktail into the media room at 9.30 in the morning, loaded with their I mean, horseradish sauce. I, I didn't take any. It, it was too early for me, but I'm going to definitely try to get back there one more time before I get out of Indy. Oh my God! I, I would. I mean, I would be tempted to, to intercept those guys before they got in and be like, "No, no, right? I'm good. Just leave a tray. That shrimp is ridiculous." Mr. Uh, Passo, thank you, buddy. Enjoy Indy. Great stuff as always. I know it's a busy time. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Bill. All right, brother. One of the first times that I ever traveled. I have a lot of these stupid stories. I'm an idiot. Uh, one of the first times I ever traveled with an expense report, I went to um, I went to Indianapolis to cover a Chiefs Colts playoff game uh, for the Kansas City Star. And I don't want to sell this guy out because you, you might know him, but I went with a colleague and a buddy who I found out later was like super rich. Like his parents or granddad, but I don't know. Like I'm not and wasn't. Certainly not now. Certainly wasn't then. And so we got to St. Elmo's. I'm like, oh, that's the place to go. And I opened the menu and I don't, I mean, you show me a, a, a piece of food at that time that's cost more than $12 and I don't know how to respond Right, like I would go to a place called Garozos in Kansas City, and I get this pasta dish that was like eighteen bucks, and I would be like, I am not going to eat out for for a month, right? Like normal life. And I don't know if you if you've been to St. Elmo's, uh, Tom. Holy, and I like to drink, so I'm like, I'll take a couple old fashions, those things. That bill came. I don't remember what it was. It was and my buddy's like, it's fine. I'm like, oh, he traveled all the time. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, it's fine. <laughs> I got in so much trouble for that, and I was just, I was like, I can't afford to pay this. It's like two or three hundred bucks. I don't know what the shrimp cocktail cost. I think it was like, in my memory, it's ten dollars a shrimp. You know, I don't think it costs that much. But so place ain't cheap. I have but never man, been good. there myself, but this restaurant is talked about so much because there are so many events in the sporting world in yep. Indy that this restaurant gets hyped up so much. I have checked out the menu online. I don't yep. think I, I I I cannot eat there. It's pretty expensive, right? It's very expensive. Yeah, I've been I'm a few sure years. It's delicious. That's why when he's like free shrimp cocktails that just showed up at the media room, you are the thing is, and this might be an inappropriate analogy, but I'm gonna it's like drug dealers showing up and just passing it out. Here, you'll like it. Like because the problem is sports writers like to eat. So once they eat the oh yeah. And then they then they're me. <laughs> then they're there ordering ten and the bill comes for, you know, four grand or whatever. They we gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Good talk. Uh, 855-2124-CBS. We got a robust 
buy or sell with some controversy we're going to wade into next year on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. I've got a lot of, I got three of my own questions for this thing, Diesel. This could take a while, isn't it? Uh, I don't think we'll be breaking early, as we say on the show. Let's do buy or sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. Let's let Bogus decide so he doesn't have to use a you got bogeyed already. Do you want me to do my questions now or toward the end? I would say get him out of the way now. All right. Let's go. Sorry this. I was talking to my buddy Greg Bergman yesterday. He's a producer here in L.A. and he's a rabid L.A. fan. He's a rash about L.A. And a while ago, years ago, I told him Anthony Davis was Humpty Dumpty and was going to break and we got in a big argument about it. So yesterday, finally, belatedly, he was like, man... You were right. It was really hard for him. And I go, I don't know what I was saying. I'm just like, bro, you love the Lakers. You love something, and that makes you weak. And he stopped me mid-sentence. He's like, that. He's like, you're a terrible human being for saying that. I'm like, no, you just – so buy or sell that it's true that when you love something, it can make you weak. Sell. Sell? That, that, buy. That's me on sell. What do you mean? I agree with him. That makes you a bad – you can't love something? It has to make yeah, you, you can. It has to make you weak. Well, it did in this case. Right. I mean, you're. I hope your son makes you weak. D Cell, you yeah. love him. Vulnerable. Vulnerability. Right. Can't always, you know? The Lakers are so amazing. Everything, nothing they do is wrong. I get it comes from a place of love. He's not stupid normally. <laughs> that seems really harsh. Okay. Uh, all right, that's one. Uh, let me just get this really quick. Um, D-Cell was like, Chris Trapasso, Paso, pass, like a, like a pass, like a pass, like a, like a football pass. And then in my mind went to this place, why, <laughs> D-Cell knows, why do they call it making a pass at a woman when a guy hits on a woman? Buy or sell, anybody's got the answer to that. I don't, so sell. Sell. But you know what I'm saying? Chris Trapasso, why do they make, pass That doesn't make any sense. I, I guess not. Okay, uh, my third one. Pedro Pascal is is in the Mandalorian. Yes, never takes a mask off, and he's in the Last of Us, which I'm obs- I'm into now. Buy or sell, even though he's not technically a movie star per se, he's one of the hot, like biggest actors in the world right now, based on those two shows. I'll buy it. Yeah, buy. you love Pascal, and that makes you weak. <laughs> I still I, I don't agree with that first one at all. You wouldn't. You have no heart. We've and- already. <laughs> Everything you love makes you weak? Everything? No, no, but some things do. Like, So what's something that you love that does not make you weak? Uh, I mean, I'd I, have... mean I was going to say tacos, but that definitely makes me weak. <laughs> I was going to say alcohol. <laughs> Same. Yeah, okay, right. I mean, I, I do love a good Jack and Coke. It doesn't make me weak, but like, I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. They can make me weak. They can make me give in and do whatever they want. The yeah. Mets can make me weak by breaking my heart because they're the Mets. Yeah. I think we're split yeah. down the middle on this then. There's two different categories for things you love. Things that make you weak and things that don't make you weak. Right, but was, made- the, was the point that you have to be made weak by things you love? Was it an all-inclusive point? Here's the exact quote that he took umbrage with, but also thought was funny and made me write down so I would bring it up today. Quote, you love this isn't the context I gave you guys, but the you love something, the Lakers, and that makes you weak. You love something and that makes you weak. In this context, it's accurate. I don't know if it's all inclusive. Right. It's largely inclusive. 
I still got a bone love to pick you. with you. Lo love you guys. <laughs> All right, Bill, let's get to some NFL here. Yesterday, Ravens GM Eric DaCosta met with the media in Indy and said they're trying their hardest to keep Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. You can't win in this league without a strong quarterback. I mean, that's been proven. So we want Lamar here. Um, we think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's certainly one of our best players, uh, and we want him back. Living in a world without a quarterback is a, is a bad world to live in, uh, and I think there's a lot of GMs and coaches who would probably say that who are living in that world right now. We're aware of that. Um, I think we've been uh, blessed since 2008 to have Joe Flacco and, and Lamar Jackson, and uh, my goal is to continue that. Bill, Lamar himself tweeted earlier this week, quote, no matter the circumstances, never crack, just relax, end quote. No telling whether or not that was actually related to his current contract situation. Buy or sell, you believe Lamar Jackson is done in Baltimore. I mean, by the way, of course it's related, unless he's talking about walking on eggs, shells. We were. <laughs> From yesterday's show. A little throwback, Bogey. A little throwback. I missed it then and now. You loved it. You did? You weren't here? I was here, but I don't remember an eggshell conversation. That sounds, that sounds, bye. That yeah. sounds. Bye. Sounds right. Uh, what did we talk about? Buy or sell, I think uh, Lamar's done. I'll sell. I, I, I Sell. You make me guess. I think it's certainly in the realm of what's what's possible, what is a reasonable thing to talk about. Would either of you like to make a strong case that there's a 50.1% or higher chance he's gone? Because that's not where I'm at yet. I think he's totally done with Baltimore. I think no matter, even if they give him the money that he's asking for, fully guaranteed that he's asking for, I think he's done. I don't, I think at this point. Really? I think at this point he's telling them to go kick rocks. I mean, that's fine. They can also franchise tag him and draft a quarterback. And I'm not he, sure that he would play on the franchise tag at this point. And Bogus, correct me if I'm wrong here. They can franchise tag him and then the next year they can transition tag him. Uh, right. Or they could. They, I mean, they could do what they what the Vikings did with Kirk Cousins. They could franchise him again. Now that makes it insanely because every time you use it, right. it adds value to it. Um, so then at that point, you should kind of have a long term right. deal. But that's also why getting to fairly down the road in talks should be easy ish because you know what like the base value of those tags are. So you yep. just kind of match up to them. I, I'll disagree here with Deezus. I feel like if he was out the door telling them to kick rocks, the reporting would be farther along of trade rumors, of the Ravens are shopping him, the Ravens are... like, And that's not where we are. The assumption generally seems to remain that he's going to stick there. So I, I don't read it at all that he's done in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Although it's been such an unusual process... I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's a poor communicator. And if, these are like ifs on ifs, he came to the conclusion he wanted to be somewhere else, he communicated that late in the game. But I'm with you. I, I think he's going to be there. All right, Bill, let's get to some hoops here. You teased this last segment. ESPN analyst Kendrick Perkins made some comments this week that there's a racial bias against black players in the NBA MVP voting. Now, Perkins pointed out the only players in Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, and Nikola Jokic to win MVP without ranking in the top 10 in scoring since 1990. Buy or sell that Kendrick Perkins has a point. Yeah, and then it's racially motivated. Um, I'm going to sell. Sell. I was thinking about this. And this comes in the context of a fairly, and I'm all about pettiness between colleagues. Cool, I would do it. But like a petty back and forth between him and J.J. Redick, and it's just it's weird. It's They don't like each other clearly, it seems. Sam Quinn, who we've had on the show and, and, and 
covers the NBA at CBSSports.com. I think is really, really good and really good on Twitter. Tweeted yesterday. I'm gonna. Sum, I don't have it in front of me. I'm gonna, it's a summation, but I believe his thing was that the year that that Dirk won, he was point one points per game behind being in the top ten. And I've tweeted this because I'm on Twitter now. It reminded me of the. There are three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. There's a lot that goes into voting. Now I. Did not have did I have a, I did not have an MVP vote for any of those I did not have an MVP vote for sorry for Dirk or for the other one that he's that he's citing who I'm Steve totally blank Steve, Steve Nash. Nash I did have a vote for Jokic and I voted for Jokic each of the last two years they almost voted for Giannis I don't think I, no I I don't think it is. And I think it's an unfair characterization. I think it's an unhelpful characterization and what's a really difficult vote. Now, they've narrowed down the pool of people who vote for the MVP, so I have more of a sense, not everyone, but of the people who vote. And I can tell you that the people that I know, so maybe that's 20 or 25 of the voters, people are really conscientious about trying to vote for the right person, do it the right way. And Nikola Jokic has been a statistical marvel. We're also in an era where... I think the argument he should be making is that sabermetrics and analytics and like stats have become too important if he wants to make that argument in the voting because that is why Jokic has been. I mean, he is a he is a analytic dream, but no, I think it's an un, I think it's unfair and I think it's um I think it's unhelpful and I do not think that racial bias is the reason that those guys have won MVPs. All right, Bill, let's keep it in the NBA here. While John Morant has had an all-star season on the court for the Memphis Grizzlies, off the court has been a different story. The Washington Post cited two separate instances yesterday of Morant getting himself into hot water. One of brandishing a gun on a 17-year-old boy after getting into a physical altercation with him, and the other incident intimidating a mall security staffer with his entourage after Morant's mother got into a dispute at a store in the mall. That security staffer got to the point where he reported with the police about it. He felt that threatened by Morant. Buy or sell that John Morant will end up being more trouble than he's worth? It's a really fair question. Um, So obviously John Morant, in in, in what has been reported, his response is, you know, this isn't accurate, is the short version of, of what he's saying. No charges filed police report obviously submitted I th- Andrew do you have a strong view on this I- I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly sell sell in large part going back to our conversation and not to conflate these two things but on Jalen Carter the general premise of professional teams are going to focus on massive talent to every extent they can they're still playing at a high level, so it's not impacting the locker room. But I think it's a worthy concern. I mean, you got the Shannon Sharp. You got so many things that have happened. Let's not forget what it's happened a worry. With, with the Pacers coaching staff, where they felt the gun was being pointed at them when they were leaving the arena. Right, which taken into whole new light. Right, I mean, it would be one of the most stunning sur- surrenderings of potential and opportunity. And I, that I can think of in, hi, in the history of sports, if these accusation stories lead to the kind of event or moment where a team or a league is like, we're finished. Or, or you know, beyond that, some sort of legal authority. But I think it's reasonable. I mean, people, Bill Parcells, people tell you who they are, listen. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a concern now because this is two different things, accusations involving a gun, too, which takes things to a, a different level now. Three. 
in, 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 I guess in Jaws' defense, this incident with this teenager is only a lawsuit. It, the, the prosecutor right. never, uh, never went after charges. So there's that, I guess, to keep in mind. But, I mean, this is, this is a lot in a short amount of time. And I wonder just how worried they are in Memphis that something's going to be real enough that they can't recover from it. They can't dismiss it. They can't sweep it underneath the rug. All right, here's the, here's the deal. Let me let me conclude with this. And, and Tom, I, I'd love your take, too, if you got one. I don't know if John Morant's carrying a gun around and threatening people with a gun. I don't know. That's been alleged uh, in two police reports and then another concerning incident in a car Morant was in. They have no idea if there was a gun or who, if there was, who was holding it. Okay, but... If John Moran owns a gun, which a lot of people do in this country, he cannot carry it around anymore. In his waistband, in his anywhere. He cannot. John Moran is a professional NBA player at the highest level of the sport who's making generational wealth. Don't carry a gun so that you're not in a position to be accused of brandishing a weapon. Like this, that is the base minimum of what has to happen starting out if in these reports it is accurate that the guy carries a weapon let alone uses it to threaten people allegedly, right? But just let's just get to don't carry a gun, the end, if you're John Moran. I have nothing more to add to that other than he's just got to start protecting himself in that way that you just said so these kinds of situations don't keep popping up. All right, Bill, the Milwaukee Bucks remain the hottest team in the NBA as they made it 16 straight wins last night, beating up on the Orlando Magic 139-117. to Giannis scored 31 points in 28 minutes while doing so on 10 of 14 shooting. Buy or sell if the Milwaukee Bucks do not reach the NBA Finals, this season would be considered a failure. I will sell that. That's a really good question, too. I I, am. And by the way, I have colleagues and certainly former players that I've been colleagues with or or, or know as sources who really bristle at these kind of questions. It's never a failure. It is that is a great question. The answer is often yes, right? For some teams, the answer is like the Nets season is a failure. Would have been a failure if they hadn't made a finals in the run with K- Kyrie and KD. If it lasted five years, right? That's a fair standard. I think this year the Celtics are so good, as are the Bucks, and I think that the Sixers and the and the Cavs are are good enough to trip teams up to a degree that I don't. My old, I don't think Cleveland and the Sixers can beat everybody, but I think on the right moment maybe they can beat anybody they can't win 16 games but maybe they can win eight regardless who they play if things fall the right way i just think it's a tough road i i I think it is a failure andrew if if the bucks don't make a conference finals i think that would be a failed season by their standards i I think what i can't pick is who would have the bigger failure them or the celtics because one of them is not going to make them maybe both of them is not but certainly not one of them or not both of them is going to make the finals so like one of them is going to fall short here and i can't decide who needs to make it more. I think actually Boston does. I do too. But they haven't won one. I mean, the Bucks have a championship, right? So like yeah. they've already established. Uh, would you agree, would you agree, buy or sell, Mr. Bogus and Mr. DeCelestino, that the Suns would season, weird as this is, will be a failure if they don't make a finals this year? Yes. Bye. So then obviously, because I was going to say a conference finals, but I, but I think it's, yeah, you, they have to make the finals this year. Chris Paul's window is way too short. He's got this year and maybe next year to hang on. He looks washed. I have a weird personality trait where I don't mind crushing people, especially people I don't like when they deserve it and they're at the height of their game. I don't like kicking people, even people I don't like while they're down, unless it's Jay Cutler, that's different. 
I don't like I don't like Chris Paul, but I respect his game and love watching him play. It's a weird catch twenty two. He looks washed, and it sucks to see. All right, Bill, last one here. Let's finish up with some baseball. Now, we've discussed MLB's new pitch clock and defensive shift rules, and apparently they're working. Not only in terms of pace of play, but runs and batting average were both up through the initial days of spring training games compared to spring training a year ago. Players are hitting 272 through February 28th. That was on Monday with an average of 11.9 runs scored. That's up from a batting average of 259 and 10.6 runs scored through that same period last year. Buy or sell this year's rule changes as a whole are the best thing to happen to baseball since they implemented the wild card back in 1995. Well, I got to sell because the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. So, as we all know, it's one of the seminal moments of, 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 of human history. I'm being serious, too, literally. So how about if we say as far as rules changes go? Mm, bye. Bye. I, by the way, I think it's going to have the opposite effect. That's really interesting. I didn't know that data. I And, Andrew, I don't know where you come down. I think, who was it that I should know this? There was a pitcher who made the case that he thinks once they get it figured out, they'll be able to dictate the temple of play, and therefore it will, advan- it will be the advantage of pitchers this rule. They can, they can basically use the... Was it the was it um? I don't know who I don't have a, a name for you, but more than one person me. has said that that the bigger adjustment is going to be for hitters, and that once pitchers have a feel for it, they will literally and figuratively have the ball in their hand to kind of control how things go. There's also yeah, I, you know we've also waiting on how they're going to manipulate the pickoff limitations, how teams are going to have a shift without breaking these new rules. Um, so, like, you know, still this is going to come down to how offenses respond to things. Don't sure, wait sure. on my parade. Sure, sure. No, this is great for baseball. What who, who said it wasn't? You're, you're, you're pointing out how the pace of play can be dictated. Not only is the pace of play faster, but there's more action in a faster yeah. game. This is gr- this is exactly what baseball you, needed. You you need to stand down here. I, I, Are you okay? I, I didn't say any of those things. I'm all for, <laughs> I'm all for these... These rules. This has been a great, not even full week of spring training games. You recorded that- my sports minute the other day where I said, I, I think the pitch clock might be perfect. You're, but you were sitting there talking about how, how teams can skirt around the rules and dig Yeah, the because, but, but they're still the rules, but they are going to learn how to manipulate them. I don't need to hear that right now. This is great. This is great the way it is right now. Easy, Rob Manfred. I have a totally unrelated question. Buy or sell, I don't need to hear this right now, is another way of saying shut up. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That's his response to you've been bogeyed. Is that a, is that a, is that a first official you've been bogeyed? No, 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 no. He's not. He, he no. That's your first a... official. I don't need to hear this. <laughs> yeah, you just you don't take your shirt off again. You get five of those. Ouch! Please don't. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> good. I'm good. I do like the pitch clock. I, I, man, blind squirrel in a nut, right? I mean, good job, Manfred. They were bound to get something right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is probably Theo as an advisor. All right, we haven't had to, we haven't done this yet. Uh, Kevin Durant spoke, I think, a little more candidly than, than he has about his relationship with Kyrie, and it's just example ten thousand nine hundred eighty three. Why you should never, ever, 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 ever invest in or trust Kyrie Irving on your team. We will uh, we will let you enjoy that along with us here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from I think a very reasonable Andrew Bogish. 
You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. It is Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio. We spent a lot of time talking about Kevin Durant, for good reason. Had his debut with the Suns last night. He's there because Kyrie forced his way out, eventually to Dallas. And that Kyrie Irving-Kevin Durant tandem was a failure, another failure. And I think it's reasonable to think that Kyrie abandoned KD. And the question has been, and I haven't known the answer, did KD endorse it? Was he okay with it? Did he know about it? Are they, are they still buddies? Well, on the Etc. podcast, it's called the Etc. podcast? That's what it's called. I mean, it's hard to come up with names. I don't, I don't hate it. On It's his podcast, right? On Kevin Durant's podcast, the Etc. podcast, there was, um, I think, a new level of candor from KD about that situation and eventually his, some insight on his relationship with, with Kyrie Irving. We're all our own separate entities. We all move and do the things that we want to do for our careers. And, like, I can't fault somebody for doing that, even though it might have been at our expense as a team. But, like, that's that's who he is and that's what he wanted to do. And it's like... I can't have a problem with that. Like I, like I said, I'm a, I want to act like I wasn't upset that we didn't finish the season because I love playing with Kyrie. I wanted to continue. To, I wanted to see what we can go with that because we were both playing at a high level. So that part of it, because you know, I love to play. That's all I'm focused on in this league is hooping. You know, not that other what Kyrie doing behind the scenes, what his contract negotiations was. Like I don't even want to think about none of that stuff. So whatever he is doing. That's him, and I trust that he's going to make the right moves for him and his family to move forward. Like, I don't, and, and I trust in him on that. And I, we haven't had a conversation, but eventually we will. A lot of stuff is moving fast. He figuring out his situation in Dallas, and I'm figuring out my situation here. But, yeah, at some point, I'm sure we'll have a conversation and kick back and reflect on all of it. But it's like I, after the – initially, I was like, all right, it is what it is, and I try to move forward. I don't think there's ever been a player that I've been as critical of correctly that I like as much as Kevin Durant. I, I just, and the guy's so candid. And, you know, maybe accidentally, maybe on purpose, he hasn't talked to Kyrie Irving. That is that is telling. That's not a close friendship. And as I said to, to D-Cell this morning, it's not like we live in the 1800s where the only way that KD could get to Kyrie is take the Oregon Trail and battle the elements. I mean, there are cell phones. I'm pretty sure he owns one or two or four. You pick, well, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I mean, the fact they haven't spoken, to me, tells you everything you need to know. It, it tells you that that Kyrie ain't just about Kyrie and his contract negotiations, as, as Kevin Durant very graciously and said, and maybe accurately, but hey, it's a team sport. It's a, that's fine, but then can you stop giving me the whole we're brothers co- comments after every game is a cliche? Because it's one of the, are you family or is this individual business interests that are uniting as long as your business interests overlap with whatever the team interests are? Just tell me the truth. But <laughs> it's an insight for, for Luka Doncic. It's not going to work. Kyrie doesn't work. Kyrie, always oh, my guy and Kevin and I are so close. Oh, I'm out. I'm not going to speak to you. Diesel, to me, it is. It's another warning of Kyrie Irving being someone you, I think you do not want to bring into your organization. Kyrie Irving, on multiple occasions, more than once, called Kevin Durant his best friend. These trades did not just happen five minutes ago. You can't check in on KD. You can't say a, a two-word text. You can't pick up the phone to call. It's on purpose. It's on purpose from both sides. Let's be honest. I mean, again, I'm, I'm speaking for Kevin Durant. I don't know this. I haven't reported this. This is not. I'm just spe- speculating with with the sort of information that I have and the career that I have and some knowledge I think that I have. I'm sure Kevin Durant feels betrayed by Kyrie Irving, and there's a graciousness in him saying the things that he said the way that he has. 
And also, I'm, I'm sure Kevin Durant felt all the feels when he left the Golden State Warriors and, and didn't really throw them under the bus. Not really. Not really. He was wrong about the Warriors, in my opinion. He's right here. Kyrie left him in the lurch, man. Remember, Kyrie's the one that sold him on coming to, the, to Brooklyn. Kyrie signed first, started the slow, hidden sabotage of the Nets before KD got there, got KD to be there, didn't want to get vaccinated, missed other times, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then he just left, and they don't speak. Look, not a good teammate, and let's go a little further. Very, very possible not a, not a good friend in this particular case. Um, something's percolating right now. It's literally happening right now, so we're not going to have time to hit it today. But Rashad Bate, so, so Eric DaCosta, the, the GM of the Ravens, made a, a comment in the preparation for the combine and obviously the draft about how basically we don't have any good receivers. Rashad Bateman, a receiver for the Ravens, shot basically wrote back and said, stop blaming us, and then came to the defense of Lamar Jackson. So there's there's Lamar drama in there, and now there's more people who are weighing in. Hollywood Brown just tweeted something, so we'll get into this tomorrow. But there's And this is the other thing about the Lamar Jackson drama. If Lamar's got the locker room, doesn't mean Lamar's right or wrong, but if he's got the locker room, not giving him money also jeopardizes your culture. Oh, and by the way, if Lamar knows that, that's also leverage beyond what he does on the field. It's additional leverage. Not an easy time to be in the Ravens front office. Whether of your own making or not, we'll discuss tomorrow on the show. All right. Thank you to Chris Trapasso. He passed the test. No? I liked it. And thank you for listening. Appreciate to Celestino. Appreciate Bogish. I'm Bill Ryder. We'll see you back here tomorrow for a Friday edition of Ryder Than You here on CBS Sports Radio.